In less than an hour, aircraft from here will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July. And you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution. But from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live. To exist. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday. But as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. Yo. Hey, what's up, world? It's Cameron Ra here with the co-host CJ the Day Slayer on the Upgrade America podcast. Hua. Hua. What's up, folks? We here. So today we're talking about global security. This uh, discussion was inspired by a TED Talk talking about outsourced security and some pretty radical ideals for global security in the 21st century. So CJ, what's your thoughts on, on that? Uh, my thoughts are: I like the I like the concept of collaborating global security of all nations to make a better world for everybody. How are you going to make it feasible for everybody? How is this going to work? Considering everybody has their own agenda. Interesting. So um, I do want to emphasize uh, just the state of of the world, or at least from the military. It seems that. We're not having so many conventional battles anymore. It's not like, hey, this nation is fighting this nation and we're all getting our tanks and mobilizing our air forces. And it, it's not like that. It's more like we're fighting insurgencies. We're fighting terror cells. And that's drastically changing the face of war. And so I think we need new approaches to, you know, to deal with this. So I have a question for you. Okay. NATO Supreme Commander Admiral James Starvis spoke on an open source security on a TED talk that we mentioned earlier. He mentioned intelligence sharing with other nations. What are your thoughts on this? Also consider this. America already struggles with sharing intel with its own departments, i.e. the FBI, the CIA, and the NSA. Do you think we'll ever be comfortable enough to openly share intel with foreign states? Okay, so you got like a two-pronged question. Yes, I um, do. As far as us dealing with other countries, I think we're very good at already doing that, obviously, or we wouldn't have as much control and power as we do. Sharing intelligence, though? Yeah, you got to share some something with somebody at some point. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't 
keep everything to yourself. You gotta give a little to get a little. So I think I think you kind of mentioned and we talked about this before, like need to know information. If it's mm-hmm. humanitarian or if it's to stamp out a threat, yes. Anything else? No. You keep your sovereign stuff to yourself, but you do share stuff that all of us have a common interest on. So say you got pirates in this one area on the Atlantic. Right. This affects the Caribbean. This affects like Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, Bermuda, whatever. We share intel with all of them to make sure we stop out the pirates from taking away our cargo for our commerce and for the security of all the uh, islands and nations in that area. That's a, like a little example I can show. So you're riddle not me this. Everything, huh? Riddle me this. Okay. So you're familiar with the term state-sponsored terrorism, right? Yes, absolutely. So it's more or less like a nation state would have, or even take the term of black operations and mm-hmm. what have you. So we're talking about other nations, sovereign nations, sponsoring terrorist organizations or, or you know, black ops and what have you. You, What is the potential for them to take this information and, and use it to do other attacks or... or or, or, or use it bad. Like, how do you control that? You can't really control it. You can only go pretty much on good faith. Mm-hmm. And the peer pressure of other nations to be a part of this program to keep everybody in check. Mm-hmm. And to answer your other question as far as inner uh, apartment, department uh, cooperation and sharing information, I think that would be one thing you just have to unify first before implementing something globally now that's something i'm totally for my understanding there's a uh, with the whole 9-11 thing that nsa had some intel cia had some intel fbi yeah. had some intel but there was no continuity like the, yeah. the agencies didn't come together to share that information and yeah. you had intel gaps rather yes and uh that could have pertained to the, I don't know, something that could have prevented the attack if everyone was on the same page. I agree. And I will totally agree with you on that. I think that I would strive for interagency continuity with Mm -hmm. intelligence sharing prior to uh, branching out. Now, the second, second approach would be for like, once we got USA squared away, cool, Uh NATO. I'd be like, with our NATO allies, like, hey, we, we pretty much got a pack. Like, if we get in the fight, like, you guys are coming with us. Um, I would feel somewhat comfortable sharing intel with them. Now, when you're talking about people outside of NATO, that's a bit, that's a more delicate conversation. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah, I understand. Okay. If I'm going to go, I'm going to just come swinging with this question. Oh, no. <laughs> Dodge slip. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Uh, if China, Russia, U.S., and Iran came together to lead the way on this open source collaborative movement of global security, would it be more feasible to the rest of the world? Man. <laughs> I, was, I told you, I'm coming in swinging. Yeah, man. You swinging below the belt. Like, I know how to approach that. So here's the thing. As I mentioned, the... I could totally see it working with NATO countries. Like we share similar ideology, mm-hmm. but China has a freaking emperor. Like in Iran is 
I'm I'm not too sure, and I wanna uh, I wanna step delicately because I don't piss anybody off. No, nah, let's um, talk. I mean, I understand it's sensitivities, but let's talk about it. like that's the part of the problem I see is we don't talk to them, we don't talk about it, we don't talk about so who, collaboration solutions. Who would who would be our common enemies? And it doesn't have to be a, a unilateral, like it doesn't have to yeah. be an enemy that that Iran and China and us share. Who who would we share? Why would we share hell with Iran? Why not? They're one of the most powerful nations that haven't been basically touched by us, per se. That's what I'm saying. Like, what is between a them and China? What is it? What, what is a common enemy? What is a common enemy? Who's operating in Iran that's giving them problems and giving us problems? Well, I think they're locked out of the global community. Is the problem? So hmm. pretty much everybody is kind of like on their shit list. I would assume. Excuse my French, but. That's a good question, actually. I would have to research that a little bit. All I know is we got embargoes and stuff on them. You're right, and that's what I said. We don't trade, no tourism. I'm totally open for having dialogue with them. And I I believe the biggest problem with Iran is their nuclear program. And we're going to get to this one. I'm I'm going to swing right back at you, Chris. Um, That's the biggest concern. Um, So I'm just not seeing the scenario. Uh-huh. Maybe like whereas you're talking about it's the United States, like let's let's put Iran on, on the side for a okay. moment. But Fair. realistically, United States and China and somewhat Russia are like we're the we are the superpowers. Mm-hmm. And uh <laughs> if there's any conventional army that stands a chance, it's the Chinese. Gotcha. And I'm not saying it's like you show me yours, I'll show you mine, and and now we're friends. It's like they're still just because the scale and organization of their military might they're they're a, a potential threat. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't want to uh, give them or anyone out. If okay, let me let me put it to you this way: if we sign okay. some sort of agreement. And we have it written in blood, and you, you put it on your firstborn son and all that good stuff. And I'm very, very sure you're not crossing your fingers behind your back and that we're going to work this something out. Then maybe. Perhaps we could do a joint operation first. And based yeah. upon the success of that, then we could uh, we could try something uh, moving forward. Like, as I mentioned, what is a common enemy that United States and China have in common? And if we can identify that, then... <laughs> I, would say, I don't want to say I don't want to say the I don't want to say the N word. <laughs> North Korea. No, I would say the con. You said the common enemy between who? The U.S. and China. Yeah. Each other. <laughs> I mean, it, that's pretty self-explanatory. And, and again, so uh, here's just going back on history. Okay. I do believe the Russians and the Nazis they made a pact like, mm-hmm. hey. We're gonna be buddies, and we're not gonna f each other over. You're gonna handle your business. I'm gonna handle my business, and they double cross each other. Yeah. And it's like I would not put myself in that position. Like if there was, as I mentioned, if there was a common enemy, like let's take pirates for instance. Okay. Pirates of the Yellow That's Sea. That's a common enemy, yeah. And they're uh, they're going around, and they're they're these pirates are hitting American uh, cargo vessels, but they're also hitting Chinese cargo vessels, and we're just about sick of it. We're tired of it. And if sharing information could be like, hey, China, 
we see some uh, we see some some vessels over there they could be potential pirates and China's like hey you got some uh, you know you got some shifty characters over there you may want to take a look like if we could open establish dialogue like that I think that would be great but as far as me like um, openly sharing intelligence because remember knowledge is power and mm-hmm. intelligence like my whole military strategy is I want more special operations and more in- intel because with more intelligence, you can make better decision making, particularly for warfare and, and defense, defensive movement. So it's like the openly give, and I don't want to say our opposition, but we're not quite a buddy old pals. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's something that would really we'd really have to move delicately on with, but um, it's a possibility. It is. Okay. It's, it's a possibility. I will say that much. I understand your concerns. I just wanted to hear it. Like I wanted to hear your opinion because I feel like we're at a point now, globally, where we don't really have a any other option. At some point, at some point, we're going to have to come together and figure this thing out. That was a very good question. I'm gonna bounce one right back at you. All right, I'm ready. As I mentioned, it seems conventional wars between nation states is becoming less frequently and we're fighting more rebel and terrorist organizations. What new approaches would you take for global security? It kind of ties back to even us bringing it up in the first place. If I give you an example, when I forgot what terrorism incidents happened in Europe, like Belgium Mm -hmm. and all these different countries, US was over there warning Europe like, yo, X, Y, and Z is about to go down. Mm. This is what you need to do. And Europe was kind of like, ah, we'll check on them, but it's not a big deal until they got hit. Then they were like, damn, the Americans are right. Like, we should collaborate a lot more to mitigate this between nations and countries because Americans go to Europe a lot too. So Europe doesn't want to mess up. We do a lot of trade. We do a lot of tourism, commerce. You don't want to mess that up. So I think... Like the U.S. and Britain, I'm sure share like dope information, intelligence. Just to give you an example. So my thing is, um, ask the question one more time. I got, <laughs> I got sidetracked on my own shit. <laughs> um, it's what what new approach would you take for global security in the 21st century? Talking. Period. Like go sit down, meet with your enemies in a neutral area. Hmm. like Iran go meet meet with them and like uh, well, I don't consider the uh, Iran to be our enemies it's just we have disagreements on the whole nuclear program they are enemies but, anytime you embargo a country that's your mm-hmm. enemy Interesting. Here, economically that's your enemy they don't I have agree. You know, conflicts or nothing that's a form of warfare and I think so, sanctions are worse than actual warfare because it's the people it's mm. the civilians who, who feel that my understanding if you put sanctions on the country it can mm-hmm. in, it can inflate rapidly inflate the price of goods where like a loaf of bread is like 600 bucks yeah. like sure that that hurts the government but it hurts the people more like if you're bombing targets we're i'm now referring to conventional warfare if gotcha. you're bombing targets and you're hitting factories that make bombs factories that make tanks the civilians aren't really reaping that uh feeling the effects of that I mean, collateral I, I damage here, jobs. collateral damage here and there, yeah. but um, I don't know. It, those those sanctions can be seen more vicious. But yeah. you're right. You're the. They are, I suppose, to some degree, they're considered enemies. And you're saying we should talk with them. 
Yeah, absolutely. Go somewhere neutral. Sit down with, I think, us, Russia, China, mm -hmm. like the big four, Saudi Arabia, throw them in there. Mm -hmm. Israel, bring them in there because they're going to feel some kind of way. Um, I think if we all sat down somewhere and talked, hey, let's work this thing out, especially Israel, because they're in a unique position. They're like in between Saudi Arabia and like Iran. They're like right in the middle of somewhere. And that's our ally. So um, I think if we sat down and really approached this thing, listen, we all trying to make sure our nations grow. We all under the threat of pirates or black market stuff. How do we come together and share simple information, critical information that can help all of us? And we all invested all on the same accord start getting these agreements down put this thing public where everybody can see it that's the key whoa, too whoa, whoa. everybody can see it by by whom you mean these intelligence these foreign intelligence agencies or whom no 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 representatives we're talking about diplomats we're not going to send no foreign we're talking about just diplomats talking together having just showing the world we're having open dialogue you know, like uh, the NATO, you know how they put the camera on the NATO while they're having these sessions? Mm -hmm. Like that. Show this conference, hey, this is a new day and age. This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to make this world better for everybody. And I totally well, get the, the talking, uh, having discussions, but mm -hmm. how are we going to share this intelligence? Like, I, I do believe the Admiral mentioned like a whole social media type of thing. We could yourself. we could create a database where everybody contributes to it somehow. I mean, the logistics would be probably pretty wild, but I don't see why it's not impossible to do it. And I, I agree with you. I think that would be the key to it. First, having a discussion. Second, like having an action plan. All right, let's do this. Let's put it together a database. Share this information that's critical. Because we're talking about everything global security-wise. We're talking about mm -hmm. humanitarian. We're talking about piracy. We're talking about black market stuff. We're talking about all this stuff included. It's not just one sector. It's everything. So I feel like you do those couple of things, we're good to go. I think. And it'll just take a couple of incidents to build that rapport, that trust. Mm -hmm. And we go from there. And we can adjust how we need to adjust. Go ahead. Bounce one at me. All right, hold on. The other one I had was it was funny. Okay, I'm going. I'm swinging again. Oh man! If everybody got rid of all their nuclear weapons, would this make it easier to have an open source global security effort, a relationship? Well, here's the thing. And in a perfect world. I would love to have a world with no nukes. It would, gotcha. it would be it would be ideal, and that's in a perfect world. I agree with you absolutely. But we don't live in a perfect world. You and I know this. Absolutely. So just walk with me through this scenario. Okay. So it's like, let's just say the the big five, the guys who got the most nukes. We say, yeah, nuclear. Um, we're gonna disarm all our nukes and what have you, mm. and four out of the five nations really did it they really did it but one was just like oh you got already all your nukes did you <laughs> yeah we kept a couple we, we kept a couple on deck and then what we lose our power we, we we lose that power and then now we're uh we have to we have to negotiate 
or if not bend to the will of another nation. You know why all these little nations are so eager to get nukes? Because mm-hmm. it's like once you have nuclear power, even like North Korea, they can't. Well, I suppose they can. They demonstrated they have the capability of hitting the West Coast. But yeah. it's like even if you had a, a nuke that you could only hit in Korea, you still got to be delicate with them. You still got to talk nicely to them because it ain't nothing to press the button and wipe a, you know, wipe a, a nation off the map. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I don't think we're, we're ever going to um, get rid of those. So that I don't even think that's that's an option. But that, for your question again, you, you said if uh, there are no nukes, then yeah, I, I believe it would be uh, all happy, <laughs> go lucky. Like let's share intel and stuff. But um, yeah. there's <laughs> nukes are here to stay. So that kind yeah. of brings me. I'm gonna counter your question with pretty okay. much, pretty much the opposite. There's a theory that if everyone had a gun, the world would be a safer place. Do you feel this concept applies to nuclear weapons? Yes, I feel like this. We strongly disagree on this, but I'm gonna give you my point. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've gone back and forth so many times on this. This is my thing. Um, These are my requirements for everybody having this, right? Okay. Sovereign nations, meaning like Bermuda is a sovereign nation. Right. Meaning like, I don't know, like, uh, I can't think of a country right now. I'm going blank. But Vietnam being a sovereign nation, right? If they have a nuclear program and have nukes, I'm good with that. The caveat is random factions like these terrorist organizations like ISIS, ISIL, Al-Qaeda, all this other stuff, they shouldn't have nukes because they're absolutely right. Sovereign nations, I believe, like, for instance, I believe we should, and it's very controversial what I'm going to say, especially being a military vet, combat vet, all this stuff. Whoa. Iran should have their own nuclear program. Hmm. We have pretty much the most nukes. I think it's us, China, and Russia. It's like something like that as far as hierarchy. If this keeps everybody in their toes, and this is my basic premise of why sovereign nations, not factions and terrorist organizations and all that should have nukes. It keeps everybody accountable. Mm. Nobody wins if somebody presses the button. Nuclear stalemate. stalemate. I totally get it. Now here, I want to interject though. You said sovereign nations, and Mm -hmm. I totally agree with you. Uh, Sovereign nations, they they should be able to apply for the opportunity to have nuclear weapons. But here's the thing: governments, governments, governments fail. Mm -hmm. Governments fail. They go bankrupt and they liquidate their assets. Uh, The Soviet Union failed, and Mm -hmm. who could say? the accountability of their nuclear arsenal if um, one or two, maybe three or four, have Mm -hmm. slipped away and gotten into the hands of these radical organizations that you said should not have them. So Mm -hmm. let's walk back in United States military history. Do you recall when, um, I believe it was F.E. Warren, Mm -hmm. they lost about five nuclear missiles for, do you remember that? for a couple of days but they yeah. were un they were unaccountable 
yeah. for like maybe five nuclear warheads. That's yeah. frightening. That's yeah. terrifying. And that's in America. So yeah. you gotta think another sovereign nation who has doesn't have PRP and all these accountability uh, processes in place, like it ain't nothing for it to slip into the black market for a couple billion. Be like, mm -hmm. oops, it fell off a truck. But like, this is my counter to that. That affects them as well. In the end of the day, so they gonna want to stamp them out too because that affects their livelihood. How so? If they sell it to a, they sell it to an organization, a state-sponsored organization rather, mm -hmm. who's like, oh yeah, you have no intentions on blowing that thing back at us. Do as you will. Mm -hmm. And um, nuclear, once as we mentioned, if North Korea didn't have nukes, we'd have flicked them off the map. Like, stop your bickering. Like, calm down. Yeah. But now it's like they got a, uh, they got nuclear weapons. We gotta be delicate. We gotta move smooth with them. And that's I, why. Uh, but here's the thing: what if terrorist organizations acquired uh -huh. nuclear weapons through these means? We couldn't just be like, yo, sending the seals. Nah, man, we gotta sit down and, and actually move delicately. And but, that's a concern of mine. And I, for me personally, yes, uh -huh. we already have the evil. We have the biggest nuclear arsenal in the world. We can blow up the world seven times. Yeah, I know, but I don't. And I know I sound biased, but I don't think anyone else should. Should that's just me. I, that's the problem I have. It's like, yo, like <laughs> they're not gonna have as big an arsenal as us anyway. Like, so what if they have like ten, twenty? We got like thousands you know what i'm saying like yeah but they have you there's the suitcase bomb like, yeah i know uh, dirty bombs i know all that stuff not but... so much dirty bomb i'm talking about it's still a tactical nuclear warhead but it could be, you can bring that in through if it's just one nation if it hits one state within our within our border it's a wrap man and um but you know how that affects them we're like ants like if you kick over an ant pile you know how that goes it doesn't go well for the world. So. You're absolutely right, but you have radical extremism, extremists who it's in their belief and their dogma that hey, doing this is mm -hmm. God's will, and that you know, hey, like I don't care if we blow up the world. There's 40 yeah. virgins on the other side. Like, I got there it. are people who believe that, and um, more power to them. I'm not knocking your beliefs, but at the same time, mm -hmm. if you have radical beliefs and you're you're promoting violence, and once again, like the United States doesn't. <laughs> you know I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just putting I'm just putting my own foot in my mouth, but um I don't know how to go um Okay, just let me rewind all that back. I think there should be set conditions for applying and I used this term before for applying to be a nuclear power. And I think your credit rating should be part of that too. Like if you're on the verge of going bankrupt as a nation you don't uh -huh. need to be having nukes, man. Okay. You, you, should, you shouldn't be having nukes. If you're, uh -huh. like, preaching, like, I don't know, jihad, uh, uh -huh. no, you, you shouldn't be having nukes. And mm -hmm. if, like, you're you're even like, hmm, I wonder if I can hit America with a tactical nuke with an intercontinental ballistic missile. Let's just test it. You, yeah. you shouldn't be having nukes. But that's just me. I, this is... This is part of the problem is because we have just us alone, the US has put economic sanctions and shackles on developed countries, not even underdeveloped, developed. Mm -hmm. And you're going to ask them on the apply, but 
they can't really economically that's part tied to the progress of a country so if you already been cutting them off for years and you asking them to apply for something that i feel like they have a right to this you is me they have a right to have yes why do we have exactly? the right to have news why do we have the right to have news why do we we're the only ones that use them let's be clear on history You're absolutely right so why do we have the ultimate right of having nukes and say Iran can't have it? What's the difference? I suppose you got to be strong enough to have them. And if you're not, then you can't. It, I think it ties to diplomacy and actually opening up trade and tourism and like get that thing flowing. Get them. I, I can see the application part if you're willing to bend a little and say, all right, listen, we've been wrong in our approach with you guys. We all got bad seeds in our country. Like, let's talk about American extremists in our country all the time doing mm. all this terrorism stuff. I mean, we can go even deeper than that, but I'm gonna stick to just extremists in different countries. Okay. We got it really bad here. A lot of it don't get publicized because we thwart a lot of the terrorist stuff. Here You're right. We're very tactical. We're we're a nation built on war. We've been in perpetual war for years, centuries and shit, basically, right? Since our inception. I think we had, what, 10 years of peace the whole time we've been a Just sovereign nation. Black ops behind the curtains. But I heard you have no, more chances of dying from getting the coconut dropping on your head than a terrorist attack. Someone actually did the analogy on that, and I'm like, hmm, interesting. But it, you're right. We, just, are, we are a warmongering nation. It just frustrates. But it pays the bills of our entitlement and no you can't have it but how are we entitled to have it what makes us different like i got in an argument with somebody before you talking about jihad and all this what about america jihad we the only ones to drop bombs on people literally oh uh, let, let's run it back let's re, let's run it back mr okay. johnson but this time you're lyndon b johnson <laughs> you gonna do it did he give the orders I no no this head. is world war ii yeah, that's what I'm referring to. What was, it, was, it I, was it Eisenhower? It might have been Eisenhower. I'm, I'm, I could be Hold on. Hold on. President during World War II. I think it was Eisenhower. Why did I say Lyndon B? I don't know. You thinking of the 60s, bro. <laughs> <laughs> President during World War II. It would be Roosevelt and I want to say Eisenhower. Somewhere in there. I it might have been Roosevelt that did it, actually. Franklin D. Roosevelt. Okay, let's yeah. type in Truman. Why did I say Johnson? <laughs> uh, I'm going to type in atomic bomb. Okay. Atomic bomb, World War II, president. So it was Truman. Okay, so let's go back to there. So you're, okay. you're President Harry S. Truman and... The Pacific Front during World War II was just vicious, man. The Japanese are fighting to the death, and they're not taking no prisoners. Mm -hmm. What do you do? You got this new cutting-edge technology, and you got to demonstrate yeah. it to the world. You know it will end the war in one night if you do it. Now, I'm going to jump in. Me, personally, I would mm -hmm. drop the bomb, but I wouldn't drop it twice. Yeah. But here's another thing. I would drop the bomb, but I would drop it on military targets away from civilians. The devastation, in my understanding, it leaves a 12-mile-high mushroom cloud. Gotcha. That could be seen from, you know, from... I would do a shock and awe demonstration. Maybe I would even drop it in the ocean. And I'd be like, listen, whatever the emperor name was, Tito, Toto? Yeah. I'd be like, listen, 
Like, you got 24 hours to, you know, call sign this truce or I'm dropping it on your toilet. I'm dropping it on your house, man. Like, those are my terms. What would I, you do? I actually have to agree with that method. Even though I'm not a fan of dropping nukes on people, that method, that, that compromise you had, yeah, I would, I definitely would give them an option. One option at this point. But definitely try to work out something truce. Yo, let's end this. It's not good for nobody. Let's get this money. Let's build our world up. Let's make them um, Hondas, man. Huh? Let's make those Hondas and them Toyotas. Hey, like, we got better things go. to do. So I don't disagree with your last method, actually. That's pretty sensible, to be honest. Okay. Um. So even though I'm fighting for everybody having their nukes and I'm fighting against us actually dropping them, I could understand in that context where that would have made a lot more sense than dropping two. Just like, yo, drop it nearby. Yo, this is going to happen to you 24 hours. We're trying to end this. We tired of this. I know y'all tired of this. What's up? So, I agree. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. That's a... Uh, I mean, it's an approach. I know it's a lot of pr- it was a lot of pressure on Truman. Oh, but, I um, can imagine. I mean, like, you talking about body counts on, on your blood on your hands like that's uh it's in the millions oh last question i guess okay what will happen if we don't openly share information with other nations in the future considering global security and all that stuff what do you think would happen um well um i know we we discussed about interdepartment you know um intel sharing and and how that resulted in uh or the lack thereof resulted in uh in catastrophe i could see mm-hmm. something similar happening it's like yeah we're not so cool with uh you know with iran or or even uh, or even china and it's like they could know something that could potentially save thousands of lives if not millions and withholding of that information could result in you know and catastrophes, um, and vice versa. The American government could know some things that could potentially save lives, and I think that's what it comes down to. And if we have that ability to do it, we need to. And um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I think we got to. You mentioned before need to know basis. If uh-huh. uh, perhaps that would be the first step. The first approach is to really define what that means. Like okay. A list of requirements or uh, criteria of what is need to know, like i.e., is it in your nation? How many lives would it affect? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. I think that would be a first approach to take towards a uh, intel sharing in the global community. 